Warning, MF Uncensored contains adult language and discussion. Listener discretion is advised. We're a couple of misfits. We're a couple of misfits. What's the matter with misfits? That's where we fit in. We're not happy and Hello, everyone, and welcome back to MF Uncensored. Don't forget, if you guys are listening to us on the go, you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, basically anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also find more of our content on our website, themisfitfaction.com. There you find links to not only this show, but some of our other shows like Cinematic Adventures and the Multiverse Fancast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Paul. With me via the Zoom studio is... The self-proclaimed or given title, the love engineer, Mr. Alan Watts. Alan, how are you today? I'm very good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It's my pleasure. I'm really glad we were able to coordinate because if memory serves correct, you are not, we are not in the same country. I'm in England and I believe you're over in the States. Over in the States, yep. The, the, those damn colonizers, you know. I don't hold it against me. I wasn't there, but I'm really glad we were able to connect. Sometimes the uh, the time difference. It, what what time is it there? If you don't mind my asking, it's nine o'clock at night. So oh, okay. So it, it, it's four in the afternoon here. So not not as bad as I thought. All right, but I learned something new today. So <laughs> let's start off with the obvious. So one of the things that caught me most about when you reached out to me was you call yourself you're called the love engineer. Can you explain the love engineer to me, please? I certainly can, yeah. I was on a spiritual retreat, um, I think it was back in 2018 or something. And um, we were there for about four days. And on day three, one of the facilitators says, oh, so Alan, what do you do? So I said, well, for the last 20 odd years, I've been a truck engineer, but I'm learning to be a relationship coach. And he just sat there, looked up at the sky and then looked back at me and said, oh, from truck engineer to love engineer. I thought... I'm having that. That's, and yeah. when you have a name like Alan Watts and there's a spiritual guy who just happens to be in the spirit world that's all over the internet, SEO's a nightmare. <laughs> I can only imagine. But that that's such a cool story. Like it's something that that kind of connects what you were doing with what you were what you were planning and supposed to be doing cuz obviously like it's something that you're very passionate about just from, you know, you sent yeah. me a copy of your book that I got to go through a little bit and just it's really interesting stuff. But let's start at the very beginning. Now, if memory serves correct, you grew up on a farm. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, it's it was actually a beautiful gift because there was plenty of space. You got all the animals and, and all that kind of stuff as well. But you could go out outside and your parents didn't worry about you. Mm-hmm. Not like it is now. Even back then in the towns a little bit, although most of my mates were latchkey kids. It's like, well, get outside and don't come back till the streetlights come on kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But for me, it was an immense sense of freedom and also looking to take on the family farm when I grew up. So a sense of purpose and identity and all these things were intertwined with it. All right. So I've never grown up on a farm. What's like a day in in the life of a farm look like? Well, generally, it depends what kind of farm it is. But when I was young, we had dairy, we had sheep, we had grain and arables. So... It's also taught me a lot about work ethic Hmm. because even on Christmas Day, Santa Claus comes in the nighttime. We want to open our presents with our parents in their bed, but we're not allowed to open them till after seven o'clock. But 
the can the animals have still got to be fed so dad would get up about five o'clock in the morning go off and do all the work and then he'd come in about seven so every one year he'd do it the other year he'd his brother would do it so every other year dad's not there christmas morning mm-hmm. and you do notice that that difference which is something that impacted me years later after the divorce and i've and christmas comes along it's like i want my kids to have both parents there mm-hmm. but we they don't have that option because we're not together so it is something i was very mindful of very so there's that hard hard work ethic to it so you get up in the morning feed the animals and then it's depending on the time of the year whether you've got to get harvest in whether you've got to plant it there's always something to do they say make hay when the sun shines that's true you do mm-hmm. but when it doesn't shine you've still got to sort out the fencing and all the other stuff it's 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 not a job it's a way of life See, I, I respect that because like, in all honesty, work, you can have a whole conversation about work ethic, especially nowadays. There's the work ethic has changed, you know, over the course of the last couple of years alone. So anybody that, you know, can build that kind of ethic is going to go really far in life. Now for you, that led you to mechanics and engineering. So how, how did that happen? That happened because my dad got his uh, truck driving license. One of the ways we looked at diversification and he worked for a grain haulage company. So he'd go up to the truck yard on a Saturday and as I wasn't at school, I went with him. So every Saturday and Sunday morning, I'd be playing with trucks. So that was from like age 12. So by the time I got an apprenticeship at um, age 16, I'd kind of done half of it. So Yeah, so you were ready to go. Like you... you had a very strong learning base. So you become a mechanic and you're, you're doing engineering and then you moved into this now relationship lifestyle, like almost, is it, would you consider it coaching or would you consider it something else? It's yeah, I do can call myself a coach though. There's multiple aspects to what I do. There's the NLP, Havening, kinesiology. So all sorts, I just call it coaching to make it Easy make it easy to understand easy to put easy to put in a podcast easy to put on a piece of paper but obviously it seems like it's very multifaceted so how did you make that transition like what inspired you to to go into this new line of work i married a narcissist i just didn't know she was at the time and yeah we ended up ended up having two kids and getting divorced mm-hmm. and then i more or less lost everything and i found myself kind of kneeling on the living room floor of what was my family home and i couldn't afford to keep up the mortgage payments but because my ex-wife had put a claim onto the house through the courts i couldn't sell it Hmm. it was also in negative equity so i owed more than it was worth anyway and the bank said i couldn't rent it out plus i got I was at that time full-time in my mobile mechanics business, but it was only generating a part-time income. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of in a right mess. So I had to rebuild my life. And a part of that process, I wanted to understand women. That's still work in progress. <laughs> yeah. And I also wanted to understand what relationships were like and why mine didn't work. Cause I, 
There was a big part of me that still believed in that if we get married, it's till death do us part kind of thing, mm -hmm. not till divorce do us part. So I had a lot of inner work, inner soul searching and life rebuilding to do. And part of the process, I did a coaching course partly to improve my skills as a parent mm -hmm. and partly because I had a few instances in personal relationships where I thought, well, if I got some coaching skills, I could handle this very, very differently. Mm -hmm. So I went and learned to be a coach and found out I really enjoyed it. Oh, that's awesome, man. Like it, it's wild that like out of, at your lowest point, you were able to kind of rally yourself and, and find basically what you were probably supposed to be doing with your life. You know, I, my wife and I just celebrated our, our five-year anniversary. so that when we first went on our first date and we've been married happily for three years, but they, there's no, there's no instruction book. Like you just kind of base it off no. of what you see or what you've experienced. Like, you know, I was a child of divorce when I was younger. My parents were divorced. Like they, they were divorced. It's been a long time, but it definitely had an impact on the way that I, I valued relationships and saw relationships and saw what was right, what was wrong, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And then finally I, I got married myself and I was like, holy crap, it, there, there is no real preparing for this. But you know, no. if I had a coach or, or somebody like, I wonder if my perspective would be different. So one of the things that really caught me, though, about what some of the material that you sent me before we listened was you talk a lot about masculine and feminine energy. So can you like talk to me a little bit about it? Okay, the masculine and feminine energies, we have two energies within us. Mm -hmm. And you've got on one hand, you've got the masculine, which is, uh, if you like, the, uh, the old fashioned warrior type and on the opposite end of the spectrum, you've got the feminine energy, which is the loving, the nurturing, and the caring we have both within us. Mm -hmm. And when you look around in society at the moment, you see a lot of guys that are becoming a lot more feminine mm. and a lot of women that are becoming a lot more masculine. And the opposite still attracts. But the biology we have in uh, monkey mind, the reptilian brain that's still the same as it was when we lived in caves. Women are still looking for that warrior type that will keep them safe, keep them protected. But the joys of modern societies, they also want to be seen that emotional connection as well. So you've got a lot more masculine women, a lot more feminine men, but the feminine men are not showing up in the masculine and it's all ass about face because if you think about these two energies as a north and south pole of a magnet if you switch them or one of them around the wrong way mm -hmm. the two north poles are just going to repel right so these masculine women looking for a masculine men thinking oh i intimidate them no you don't you just don't attract them mm-hmm because that masculine energy comes across first and same with the feminine, more feminine guys, the nice guys, women don't feel safe with them. Mm -hmm. So it's less of a, of a biological type imperative. It's more of, of yeah. the inner. So yes, is energy. it, is it something that somebody could change and work on? Cause obviously there's a whole conversation about biology. Like I, I, I can't yeah. even, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. So I don't talk about biology. Everybody's different. Do your thing just as long as you're happy doing it for me anyway. But like, it seems like energy can be shifted. Is that part of your coaching process? 
it's more about finding the true you within yourself mm -hmm. because when we grow up we get we get taught a lot of things about how we need to show up how we need to behave what a boy is what a man is what a girl is what a woman is and everything else in between and that's great but it doesn't necessarily mean it's who you are mm -hmm. we get well a lot of the time when we're children we behave a certain way way we get love we get gold stars in school or whatever mm -hmm. but that might not be who we are so we have all these things within us that we think are not lovable and we try and push them to the side whether that's more masculine traits or more feminine traits when you look at the, the lists of all these different traits whether it's masculine or feminine you just look at them and say i could be any one of these mm -hmm. and we can at different times but the question is who are you at your core so it's a lot of unpicking what we're not to find out what we really are because you hear so many people say oh i just want my partner to see me for who i am so many of us haven't seen ourselves and even if we have we're not putting that all of that out there we're putting out the marketing version or the instagram friendly version of what we think people are going to love yeah do you find and then that... oh, the stuff sorry. that's hiding backstage comes out or the mask falls off and it gets a bit messy so do you find that especially nowadays where Social media is is the one of the biggest presences that a person can have. Like I, when I when you know I was younger, and I'm sure when you were younger, like you nobody cared. Like you could do any, all these mundane things that we did every day. There was no glamour to them. There was no pomp and circumstance, and there was no attention for them. Do you find that social media has made it harder for these people who are now putting up even more powerful masks to find their true self? It's, yeah, it's had a massive impact as when I was growing up, there was, well, there's no social media. Yeah. There was no mobile phones. There was no Google. There wasn't even an internet. So when I was, I think I was about 12, 13, when I started to see mobile phones, some of them were screwed to the dashboard of a truck. Right. And the others that you could carry them around, but the, you've got to carry the battery as well. That's the size of a suitcase. So... <laughs> They, they weren't friendly mm -hmm. at that time. But what I look at now, and it's blooming scary, but because it's like what we used to keep in our diaries in the past yep. that were private, it now all goes on social media. Mm -hmm. It's like there's no secrets anymore. Not that secrets are necessarily a bad, good thing or mm -hmm. bad thing, but you put everything out there. But a lot of the time, you only put out the stuff you think people are going to like, mm. unless you're putting that stuff out there that gets you attention. Then you put the negative stuff out because you get all the sympathy and mm -hmm. all the love. And as soon as you stop doing that, you stop getting attention. So I better put another story up. Nobody, nobody liked this one. I better do another one. Make it, make it better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember blogging was just getting big when I was in probably about high school. And that's another thing. Like back in the day, the internet, like it was hard to find things. Like if you were like, hey, I have a blog, it'd be like, well, where is it? I can't find it. Now, like I could share my podcast all around the world. Like I have listeners everywhere and easily. Like I just hit publish and it's good to go. 
And also I find that like when you like those older social media posts, they were they're they're just a snapshot of what you were feeling in that moment. They're not reflective of you as a person. Yeah. I know I feel very differently about certain things now than I did maybe 20 years ago when I put it on my blog. So a lot of people get so hung up on social media and how it interacts and like there are good things like I know my my sister actually met her husband via one of those those dating apps. Like there are some things that are very helpful with that kind of social media, but it's it's wild. Yeah. It's wild nowadays. It's, now you do a lot of work with dating. Do you find that social media like your Tinders and your Bumbles, I'm not sure what you guys have on your side of the ponds, but oh, you know we have all those. <laughs> oh, you have all every single one of them. Do you find that they've made dating easier, more difficult, harder to navigate? What are your thoughts on them? Yes. <laughs> yes to everything. It's uh... It's, I think a lot of people, when they go onto these sites for the first time, they're like a kid in a candy store. Because mm -hmm. instead of just having the options of the kids in the local club or the local church or the local youth group or friends of friends, maybe, mm -hmm. that, that was the dating pool of the past. Now you've got the whole freaking world. It's wild. Like it's And you think I am going to use this to find my ideal partner who if you describe all the traits and everything and the values they are way up here. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm only down here, but they're not going to know that's only put the good stuff up. Oh, but those dating sites really they're not the answer to finding the person of your dreams. All they really are is the first step along what I call a dating ladder or sometimes dating target. Mm -hmm. And that step one is awareness. No one's going to ask you out if they don't know you exist. It's a little bit like being in business or having a podcast. If no one knows your podcast exists, who's going to listen to it? Exactly. They've got to be aware of it first. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be aware someone exists before you can ask them out. Then you've got to get to know and like them, and then trust them, then build confidence and all these kind of things. The seven steps up to they become a raving fan. At what point do most people try to get married? It's not step number seven. It's more like step number three or four. Mm -hmm. And a lot of salespeople do that with a business as well. Hmm. Instead of building that connection and that relationship first, they go for the sale. They're going for that outcome, whether it's, whether it's to get laid, whether it's to get married, whether it's to have kids, whether it's the next sale, whatever else it is. It's the out that outcome is about getting something. It's not so much about what can I give or what is aligned with the truth of who I really am. See, it's funny you say that because, you know, when I was younger, I did like the dating things, you know, like I, you know, always trying to find my soul. I, I romanticize a lot of this because that's what we're taught when we're younger. Yeah. We're taught romance and, and true love and Disney movies and all these things. And all that stuff does exist in some capacity. It's just presented very yeah. – it's presented as being very yeah. easy. Like you watch a Disney movie, they fall in love within 13 minutes. It's wild. But I, I will never forget my wife when we first started dating. On like our second or third date, we went for this walk and she literally – she laid it out. She was like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. This is the, you know, the kind of relationship I want to have. 
if if we line up with that, great. If not, then let's we don't want to waste each other's times. And I'll never forget that because it challenged me to figure out what I wanted. Yeah. It wasn't just, you know, something easy or it was something that I really wanted to work for and something that and it changed the way that I thought. So I, I really enjoy hearing your thoughts on like all this the energy and the alignment. My wife very firmly believes in energy. I do to a point also. And we always say that the universe put us together when it was ready for us to combine our energies. Yeah. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm really I'm I'm digging digging your thoughts so far. Now I have one silly question. What is kinesiology? I can't even say it. Kinesiology. Kinesiology. What is it? I keep hearing that word. I have no it's, clue what it is. It is a blend of modern chiropractic with some of the ancient Chinese meridian therapy, acupressure points. But luckily for a lot of people, there's no needles involved. Mm -hmm. But what I like about it is it blends the body, the mind, and the spirit. So if you've got in emotional things that are trapped in the body, there's a great book out called The Book The Body Keeps Score. I've heard of it. So yep. trapped emotions can come out as a physical ailment or a state of dis-ease. Mm -hmm. So what we normally do, or certainly for the last few years, is go to the doctor or the hospital and they look at the symptoms and they will potentially give you a drug mm -hmm. and you think okay that's gonna make it all better and a lot of the times it can what it doesn't do is for, say okay this is the symptom or the outcome what is the root cause mm. it doesn't look for that it just looks for a symptom right because if they healed you properly you don't go back for more drugs that's fair that is very fair. I am a, a very big advocate of mental health, especially among men. It is a, it is a topic that's not thoroughly discussed. It's a, a topic that had a lot of taboo nature to it for a very long time. Like yeah. I remember being, when I was younger, I was told, you're too sensitive. That's what I was told. Whenever I'd get upset about something or, or something would bother me, that's what every, every male in the household would either say something along the lines of, you're being too sensitive or you know, rub some dirt in it, toughen up. What are your? Uh, I know you do some work with men's uh, mental health. So, what yeah. are your some of your thoughts on it? Yeah, it's certainly not talked about enough. And on one hand, you have people saying, "Oh, men need to talk more." Yeah. And on other hands, there is the "you need to toughen up," "you need to man up," whatever else. Well, which is it? <laughs> well, it's both. Yeah. If we go back to the masculine feminine end, if you imagine a basic little circuit diagram with a battery, a wire going to a bulb and then down to the ground, if you put a resistance between the bulb and the battery, it's not going to light. Right. If you put a resistance between the positive and the light, it's not going to light. And if you change that light to an electromagnet, it's not going to attract the right things. Mm -hmm. So if we have 100% masculine, there's a resistance to the feminine energy. So you're not connected to the emotions. You're not connected to empathy. You're not connected to compassion. You're not connected to any of those things. So do those guys in that situation need to open up and talk a little bit more and be more connected, more vulnerable? Yes. And on the flip side, if the guy's 100% in this feminine energy there's a resistance to the masculine mm -hmm. 
And how do those guys come, come, come across as a needy mess that can't solve their own problems, can't do anything? So do they need to man up a little bit? Yes. It all depends on where you are on that scale. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunately not a one one size fits all all answer to anything because we're all different. Yeah, and it's not something I can like look in the mirror or stand on a scale and get no. an answer for. So no. I, I like that though because it's something that it's still something that somebody can work on. Like America is yeah. heavily heavily pharmaceutical. Like it is, it's more yeah. it's more business than anything else. Like to, just to be frank, like. And it's very easy to go. It's super like during COVID, they did a lot of like telehealth and a lot of so which was big. But now they're still doing like I can do a virtual doctor's appointment and get a prescription through this virtual doctor's appointment. And it is in some cases, it's it's totally valid. And it's something like it's a pure chemical imbalance or something physiological that somebody might need that for. But you can get it for you can get something for anything easily in America. And I think I, I agree to your yeah. point. It's not it's not solving the root issue. And I find that if you attack what's going on, like the actual disease instead of the symptoms, you're gonna heal faster. Yeah. But again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a guy on a podcast talking talking to another guy. So who knows what I know. But for you now, you've also done one of my favorite things and something that's actually on my bucket list that I want to do is you wrote a book. Yeah. I've well I've written two now. I've written it's just two now. published the second one. Oh, okay. All right. So can you tell our listeners about the first one at least? Yeah, it's that that blue one over the, over there. Yep. Which is called Running Wild and Running Free, which is in brief is my journey through growing up on a farm and having that far the farm, my identity, my dreams, my future and everything being sold from under my feet when I was age 13. So I had a lot of mental stuff and emotions mm-hmm. trapped it in my body ever since then. And then what else? I, 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 one of my best mates died and cousins committed suicide, all sorts of stuff that I've opened up and talked about in there. And it talks about my marriage as well and, and the divorce afterwards and how I got to the point where I actually drew a line under it all and said, enough's enough. Mm-hmm. This is my path. I'm off. Wow. That's really awesome, man. Now, also, one of the things that I noticed is you put like positive things about divorce in some of the mess, like some of yeah. the material that you sent me. And I'm, and I'm sitting there going, like, divorce is bad though. Like, why, why is he like, divorce is like so good. So, can you tell me a little bit about obviously you're, you're happily it's... remarried, if memory serves correct? I'm living with my partner for sort of, we're both divorced and both decided we don't need to do that bit again. Yeah, I hear you. So uh, yeah, divorce is bad. That's kind of a lot of the messaging that I grew up with as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is perception because mm. I know over in the States, there's a lot of media attention around guns. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the good, bad or anything else. But it depends what you do with it. It depends how you look at it. Right. If you're using that gun to feed your family or protect your family for Mm self-defense, that's one thing. But if you're using it to go out and kill people just for the hell of it, then that's not good. But it's the same gun. Right. The the oldest. Yeah. It's like the oldest adage in um, America. 
go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Zoom delays, they kill, they kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the, with a divorce, it's a lot of it depends on the situation. It takes two to make a marriage work. It takes two to fuck it up. And if I'm willing to put in the work to make it work and she's not, mm-hmm. I then become change, 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 change. Oh, she's still not happy. Change, change, change. And you look in the mirror in 20, 30 years time and say, who the hell am I? Right. And also, if you're not a good match or you're not communicating very well, kids grow up seeing mum and dad at each other's throats mm-hmm. every other day whilst they watch Disney movies, seeing how they lived happily ever after. And think, oh, mum and dad must have been happy before I came along. Oh, yeah. The kids, kids see so, everything. And then they eternalize so for it, yeah. me, my kids grow up seeing dad happy, dad moving on, and mum's over there doing whatever the hell mum does. <laughs> and they are very well aware that we had issues before they came along. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing to do with them. See, I think that's super important. And that was something when, when my parents got divorced, that was something they, they hammered home with both myself and my sister that we had it was nothing to do with us because that's what kids think they think it's my fault i i need to fix this there are also tons like you watch old disney movies that also say show the kid getting the parents back together and now you're a happy family whereas they probably should have just all gone to therapy and moved on but yeah so you know there's another thing about those disney movies yeah have you noticed how many of those movies the stepmother is evil in all of them because Walt Disney had exactly. some issues. Walt Disney was a issue-filled guy. Yeah. Yeah, either and or like the parents were exceptionally absent in a lot of them, you know, obviously Bambi's mother dies and it's the most traumatic thing yeah. ever. So, it's funny you watch people when they do like any sort of works of medium or creative arts, they whatever they're dealing with comes out cuz it's the most potent emotion and yeah. sometimes they don't even know it and they they use it to just kind of deal with it. It's wild. Absolutely. Now, so when you went to like sit down and write the book, did you like, did you have a plan for it? Was it something that you just kind of like you had pieces that you needed to put together? Like, how was that process for you? Well, to start with, I looked at um, writing different kinds of books. I thought, well, do I write a personal development style book? Mm -hmm. Do I write an erotic style book (laughs) or do I write something else? And, um, and I was at a mastermind meeting and met a writer, ghostwriter, writing mentor. And we met up and said, well, look, I've got these different, excuse me, I've got all these different options. What do I do? Mm-hmm. He said, well, what kind of book do you want to write? I said, I didn't know. And um, he says, well, I teach two types. One is personal development. And one is like a memoir kind of thing. How how would you like it to be? Do you want it to have some story in there and personal experiences, or do you want it to be all kind of theory? I said, well, I want some kind of a story in there. Mm-hmm. says, well, write a memoir and then include some personal development things in there as well. So I says, that's great. How do I do that? She says, well, I have a mentorship program. I said, well, I can't do it at the moment. I haven't got the money. Mm-hmm. So... I thought no more about it. And then I think it was about a year later, she reached out and says, look, I'm putting a group 
group of 15, 20 people together to raise money for a charity that helped me when I was younger. I want them to be able to share the story, that, but it has to be someone that's never shared the story before. Mm-hmm. You've got 5,000 words, you win. I said, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So I did that. And that, that was a bestseller on Amazon on launch day, I think. And I don't know how much it's raised ever since, but um, so as a part, take, after taking part in that, she says, well, any of you that have taken part, I'm happy to mentor you through, you through your first book at a discounted rate. Awesome. So I, yeah, I'll yeah. do it. So I started writing it in October, 2019 and finished it in, I think it was March, 2020. Oh, wow. That's really cool. And it's got such a great story to it. And like, obviously, you know, helping a charity and finding somebody to work with, you know, I I always believe that the mentors that you have in your life are the most important people. Everyone, you should have a mentor in some capacity, whether it's, you know, an emotional mentor or a physical mentor or something like that. The, the people I always say you're never too or you're never too old to learn something and especially from someone else I love asking for help it doesn't mean I'm dumb it just means yeah. I'm smart enough to know somebody else knows better than me and yeah. you've got the courage to do which a lot of people haven't yeah, I appreciate that so for you though you also have a podcast called the relationships Revo- I do indeed relationships revolution podcast correct that is correct yeah and can you tell our listeners a little bit about it in case they want to check it out yeah, it's, it's still quite new. I think episode number eight is going out on Thursday. Mm-hmm. That would be tomorrow. Oh, look at that. And uh, that's uh, a conversation I had with uh, a lady that calls herself Goddess Andrea. She's a Tantra teacher, among other things. Oh. Every ep- I have an interview every other week, and the intention is to bring something that could be a revolution to someone's relationship so whether it's um a life coach whether it's a couple that have got a long-lasting great relationship or whether it's someone that's had a challenging relationship story like myself Mm -hmm. and they've overcome it and turned things around it's about giving value and then the week in between i kind of see them as little bonus sessions or little tips which is just me twittering on about something that i feel like needs to go out at that uh, at that time so oh, i like that that's really cool and like i i love doing interviews they're they're like my favorite thing to do cuz i love talking to new people but i i might have to check out your episode with somebody who does tantra cuz more more personal curiosity than anything else and i'm sure my wife would appreciate <laughs> listening to it too now, we are getting towards the end of our time, so at the end of our episodes, we always like to play a little game where we do a couple of rapid-fire questions, if you are interested in playing, of course. Yeah, let's, let's do it. All right, so I try and tailor them to whoever I'm talking to, so I, I, these are very relationship and, and dating heavy, if that's okay. <laughs> yeah, go for it. All right, first one, describe your ideal date. Ideal Ideal date. Ultimately, it comes down to the same thing that comes out with any relationship or any intimate relationship I have. And that is, do I, can I feel safe enough to be my full self? I like that. What is one piece of, a, of relationship advice that you would give to your younger self? 
my younger self. There will be three steps. One, know yourself. Two, be yourself. And three, stay true to yourself. Oh, I like that. I really like that. Let's see. A book or resource, apart from your own book, because that's cheating, that you would recommend for understanding relationships? Oh, man, there's loads of them. Beyond Mars and Venus by John Gray. Very nice. I'm going to have to write that. I'm, beyond, I can, I'm just going to edit this and write it down then. That's fine. All right, last question. This, this one's one of my – I like doing this one because it's always very entertaining. If you could have a sit-down with any historical figure about love and relationships, who would it be? Well, I've got about 100 on my potential podcast guest list. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Who would it be? That is a really good question. Thank you. So I don't know if I can just pick one. Pick as many but, as you want. Then. Um, Who cares? One, well, the likes of John Gray, I've read his book, so I don't need a conversation with him. But one, a couple I would be interested in talking to would be my grandparents. Hmm. And one would be someone like... Um, either Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden or James Hetfield. So, cause I am curious to see what being a rock star affects relationships and things like that. And I'm sure they have some stories about their relationships as well. So that would actually be a lot Indeed. of fun. <laughs> the, the 80s rock stars. What a time. So we are getting towards the end of our time though. So Alan, if anybody wanted to find your podcast or learn a little bit more about you and what you do, how would they be able to do that? My website is theloveengineer.rocks and the podcast is on Spotify, Apple. I'm not sure where else it goes, but it it just goes wherever it goes automatically. Yep. It's... And it's called Relationship Revolutions. And the videos I put up onto YouTube, which there's a link to from my website. Okay. So easiest one is website. Perfect. Facebook, LinkedIn, general stuff. I'm, I'm everywhere. Everywhere, yep. So when we post the episode, we'll make sure we, we put your website on there too so people can find you. But that is going to wrap us up for today. Alan, thank you so much for jumping in. This was a lot of fun, man. No worries. All right, well, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, definitely. All right, you take care. Likewise. Hey guys, it's Paul and the Misfit Faction is looking for your help. We are trying to grow not only our network, but also grow our brands. And the best way to do that is if you guys are looking to start your very own podcast, maybe you guys have been listening to us for a while. Maybe it's something you guys have always wanted to do, but you're not sure how to get started. If you go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction, you guys will get a month of free podcasting on us. That is a gift from us. So make sure if you guys are looking to start your own show, you reach out to us and go to podbean.com slash Misfit Faction. Also, maybe you guys have your own online business or service that you're always looking to grow and advertising is a very big part of that if you guys go to sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfit faction you guys can get a hundred dollars worth of free advertising again as a thank you from us to you guys that's sponsorship.podbean.com slash misfit faction and welcome back everyone we want to thank you guys for tuning in today and we want to do a very special thank you to alan for jumping in and uh having such a great conversation with us you know love relationships all that type of stuff it's something that everybody goes through at some point in their lives the ups the downs the good the bad and it's always great to get another perspective especially on things like that masculine and feminine energy things that people just don't really talk about anymore or people who 
you know, don't know how to talk about. So again, big thanks to Alan, the love engineer, for jumping in with us today. If you guys are looking for more of our content, it's super easy. You can go to our website, themisfitfaction.com. We actually have an article about this uh, interview there, so make sure you guys check that out for a little bit more content. You can also find more news reviews, articles, and more there on the website. And we're on all the social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, whatever it is. Just type in MF Uncensored or The Misfit Faction. Odds are you'll find some of our stuff. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, we'll see you next time.